Welcome to EM Guidewire, brought to you by the emergency medicine residents and faculty at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome to the Toxidome, where your friendly neighborhood toxicologist clashes with poisons and venoms in a battle for life and death. Welcome to this week's Core Concepts, brought to you by the EM Guidewire team from Carolina's Medical Center, EM Group. Today we have myself, Dr. Kyle Rodersheimer. And this is Dr. Kathy Kopek, one of the medical toxicologists and ER docs here at Carolina's Medical Center. Today we're going to be talking about pharmacological interventions for the undifferentiated, agitated patient in the emergency department. This week's show is brought to you by Benzos. Because, let's be honest, if you can give Benzos in supportive care, you pretty much just did a toxicology fellowship. Benzos. Let's start like we always do with a case presentation. All right, so let's think about our patient that comes in the emergency department and our initial case presentation. We have a 28-year-old male who presents in the emergency room in police custody, agitated, yelling out at staff, thrashing. He's clearly a danger to himself, others, police. The nurses look over at you and say, hey, doc, can we get something for this patient? Dr. Kobeck, what's your first take on this patient? What do you, you kind of do and your approach initially when you see this patient coming into the emergency department? Well, I think the first thing you have to think about is obviously this person looks like they're in what we'd call an excited delirium state or an agitated delirium. And so that's going to be a mental state that's going to be characterized by speech abnormalities, violent behavior, disorganized thought processes, acute onset of disorientation. And, you know, we have to obviously think about what potentially could cause those things. And in thinking about our differential, then that may decide how we're going to best treat that person. So when I'm thinking about the differential of the agitated delirium, I think there's kind of a a wide thought process there. So, I mean, I think obviously you have a toxicologist on your talk today. So there's going to be a lot of toxicological causes for that. But I think there's medical causes as well. So looking at the differential, I think you're going to have things like uh, the anticholinergic toxidrome, sympathomimetic toxidrome, hallucinogens or PCP, alcohol or benzo withdrawal, neuromalignant syndrome, serotonin syndrome, salicylate toxicity, malignant hyperthermia might potentially be on there as well. Then we talk about things like underlying psychiatric disorders or a manic break from schizophrenia, maybe sepsis, thyroid storm, intracranial pathology, or encephalitis. Um, Even hypoglycemia or hypoxia might potentially be on that differential as well. So I think the first thing is to try to take a nice wide differential about what might be going on with the patient. That makes sense. I guess a lot of times when I see these patients, I just assume it's a psychiatric agitation, but obviously not. There's lots of other toxicological causes and many other causes that we need to consider, including trauma. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. All right. So we have a differential. That's, I think that's the best place to start. But in the moment, the nurses are going to be looking at you for some medication because they don't want to deal with this patient. And rightfully so, this patient can be very dangerous to both you, the nursing staff, um, and the police officers who the patient is in custody with. So what drugs do you, you know, normally think of for this scenario? I think there's a wide range of pharmaceutical options. I think that in general, if you look about class of drugs, you're going to talk about different benzodiazepines. You're going to talk about different maybe antipsychotics. Might be kind of the first line agents people would reach for. Typically, I think if you were to say that in RED, people would say, oh, give me five and two. And what they would be referring to is that they would want, you know, five milligrams of halperidol and two milligrams of lorazepam or Ativan. Um, And so I think that's probably what most people would reach to. Back in the day when I trained, and luckily I don't see it happening very more, people would take that one step further and say, give me a B52. And that's where they're adding on diphenhydramine or Benadryl, 50 milligrams as well. So I think that that's what people are probably used to giving. But then you have to kind of think about, is that maybe the best choice of the drug for these patients, especially if they're undifferentiated? Yeah, I mean, I think that's reasonable. I think a lot of people still in our emergency department reach for Haldol and two of Ativan. But 
why might there be some downsides to that? What's your approach? Well, so I think let's take your first question is why might there potentially be some downsides to that? So I think you have to think a little bit about the drugs that you're using and how they work and kind of the effectiveness of them. So if you take the haloperidol, for example, you know, we classically give that IM shot. And if you look at the range of the onset of time that we're going to get a benefit from that, meaning we're going to get its peak effect and we're going to start to see sedation, it's really going to range anywhere from, they say, 30 to 60 minutes. Well, if somebody's coming in and they're thrashing around for you, that may not be a person that you have, you know, 20, 30 minutes to kind of wait for an effect on. Same thing when you look at the lorazepam. So we talk a little bit about our lorazepam if we're giving an IM or even potentially IV. We're not going to get an onset. You know, its peak onset is really not 20 to 40 minutes. So if I don't have 20 minutes to kind of sit there and watch this patient and control them, then giving them 5 and 2 of Haldol and Ativan may not be my best choice if I want immediate control. Or if you want the nursing staff to like you. Right. Well, the next problem is, right, so, you know, you give them this and, and the patient doesn't get controlled in, you know, five minutes. And so what do the nurses want you to do? They want you to give more medicine. Or what do you want to do? You want to give more medicine because you obviously want that situation to be a safe situation for yourself, for your nurses, for your staff, for the police officers who are helping you. And so what do you do? Oh, let's give them two more of lorazepam or another two of lorazepam. And all of a sudden, you've given them six milligrams of lorazepam and we're just hitting the 15 or 20 minute mark where our drugs are starting to work. And now we're more worried that this person gets to be in one of our front resuscitation rooms because we might end up intubating them. But we like to intubate people, right? Procedures are always fun, but, you know, it's nice when we can avoid them at times, too. Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. But, you know, that eager new second year would love an intubation. But, you know, <laughs> moving on. So I think it's key, it seems like, to know the mechanism and onset of action of these drugs, especially if your nurse is wanting something right in the moment. What other things should you think about or what's your go-to combination, I guess? So I'm, I'm also a fan of the 5 and 2, but my 5 and 2 is a little bit different. I prefer to do five of midazolam and two of lorazepam. So uh, it's kind of a running joke now. The nurses know that when I ask for five and two, I always say, I want my five and two, um, not the normal five and two. Because if I'm trying to get immediate control, if I'm trying to handle a situation where I want someone to calm down, then I want a drug that's going to start working for me quickly. And so I often will reach for, you know, five milligrams of um, midazolam because I'm going to expect that the onset's really going to be less than five minutes. And with that effect, I'm going to get immediate control. And as my midazolam is kind of coming down and wearing off of the patient, my lorazepam or my Ativan is starting to kick in. And hopefully I will then be able to have a nice, calm patient and uh, get a better exam on them, get a better history, maybe looking through their chart, further evaluate kind of what their cause of their agitation might be to D. Because the other thing I like to think about is if I'm looking at that differential and things like NMS is on my differential, giving them an antipsychotic may not be the best choice. If things like anticholinergic is on my differential, giving them something like diphenhydramine or Benadryl may not be the best choice. Also thinking about what my differential is, almost all those things get treated by benzos. I just feel like I can't really go wrong with a good dose of benzos. You did do a toxicology fellowship. I did. Yeah. Benzos uh, in support of care. That's right. Um, so, and I guess the other thing to think about is antipsychotics aren't going to always work in every situation. This is true. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, where there are frequent flyers in the ED, and you may know that patient who comes in, you may recognize them, and you've seen them multiple times, and you know that they have an underlying schizophrenia or psychiatric disorder. Hey, that's somebody that right there, you know, it's not undifferentiated for you anymore. You know, you have some background there, and so maybe an antipsychotic will be a great choice for that person. But if we're really talking about the undifferentiated agitation, I think that we have to think about, A, onset of action, how, how are we going to best get control and safety of our situation? 
And then also, what things am I worried about in that differential and what um, medications might treat them best? So it seems like the three medications we think about most often are Ativan, Versed, and Haldol. Are there any other medications that you consider in these scenarios? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think, again, when we're talking just in general about classes, you know, we talk about the benzodiazepines and the antipsychotics. And, you know, the other benzodiazepine that we talk about in that group is diazepam or Valium, which unfortunately we're on shortage on right now. That's also going to have an onset of action that's going to be somewhere between your midazolam and your lorazepam. And so we're going to see a pretty quick onset of action there as well. And it's going to last a lot longer because it does have its own active metabolites. So that's going to be one option for you as well. And then antipsychotics, there's other ranges of those besides just our typical when we reach up for haloperidol. There might be things like um, geodon people may reach for at times. Um, but again, if you think about it, even an IM dose of geodon, it's onset of action. People will talk about being somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes. So again, you have to kind of weigh your situation in regards to how much time do I have to control this patient? Is this patient somebody I can kind of talk down? I can have somebody watch them for 15 or 20 minutes and I'm not feeling like they're going to be a harm to themselves or harm to my staff? Then maybe I have some more time for some of these other antipsychotic IM agents that may take a longer period of time. But if I need immediate control, you know, then I think you have to look at something that's going to work in those first kind of two to five minutes for you. Um, some people talk about using um, olanzapine also as an option, um, which can be given IM or PO. Again, you know, from a route standpoint, an onset of action, you're not going to get an onset of action before 15 or 20 minutes. Some people say the peak effect of olanzapine isn't even until 45 minutes. So there may be some limitations and some time problems with that medication as well. Another one people sometimes will talk about doing is ketamine, I think, which is a, a great option potentially for the agitated patient because you have multiple ways of giving it, both IM, IV, intranasally as well. And really, you know, an IM shot of ketamine can get an agitation controlled usually somewhere between three to five minutes. So that's another agent that may be very helpful for you. I know it's one that we've not used very often at the shop where I work at right now. But it's one that I've used during my fellowship time and at some other hospitals, and I know it's well-documented in literature to also be a good agent for the agitated patient. So I would reach for maybe ketamine also being a good choice. What I've, I've never used it in that scenario. What's the dose that you use? Again, it depends on if you have an IM, uh, IV or, not, or if you're going to use an IM. Um, most of the time in the agitated patient being controlled, obviously thrashing out aggressive, probably going to give something IM. And they really talk about the dose being somewhere between uh, 4 to 6 mg per kg. So you're kind of estimating weight there and, and giving them an IM dart. There's a lot of literature about EMS using it, uh, particularly up in the Minnesota area. We are in emergency medicine. We do love ketamine. So seems like another good use for that new kind of old drug recreated, I should say. So are there any other tips, tricks that you use in these patients, or we've pretty much kind of covered the bases of the medications in your approach? I think we've covered a little bit of the bases of the medications. I mean, ideally, in general, just trying to understand what you're trying to achieve by using that medication will kind of help guide which medication may be the best option for you. Obviously, if the patient can be talked down or you can get them, you know, some of the police may be off them and they just need to be in a quiet room, always ideal to have a patient who can awake and be cooperative with you and give you a history and maybe talk to psych if that is an underlying issue. You know, if you're able to examine the patient at all, you know, even if you're able to, you know, touch their lower extremity while they're being held down and see if they have clonus or are they rigid... Do they look flushed? Are they sweaty? Are they dry? Some of those things can kind of help you determine on your differential what may be the actual underlying cause of their agitation. And then that may guide you in a different pathway for your pharmaceutical treatment. Great. I think this is a really great review for myself and hopefully more of you out there. Dr. Kopech, let's go through a quick summary of what we talked about today. So it sounds like the first thing you do when you see this patient come into the emergency department is think about a differential. Can you talk about the broad approach to that? 
Yeah, so I mean, I think in general, when you're talking about the agitated patient who is also delirious and not making sense to you, then I think that you need to kind of take a wide step back and say, well, okay, what kind of things might be doing this? So from a toxicological cause, I'm going to have things like anticholinergic, sympathomimetic, hallucinogens, maybe PCP. I'm going to have things like alcohol or benzodiazepine withdrawal, uh, serotonin syndrome, potentially, neuromalignant syndrome, uh, salicylate toxicity, malignant hyperthermia. So that might be kind of my tox differential. And then I say, okay, well, what about medical causes that might be causing this person to be agitated and altered? And then you'll have things like sepsis or thyroid storm or intracranial pathology of some kind, encephalitis, possibly hypoglycemia, hypoxia, maybe even heat stroke. You know? And then I think you think, okay, or could this be an underlying psychiatric disorder, a manic break, schizophrenia, something of that nature. So that's kind of how I approach my agitated differential. And then again, like I said, if I'm able to do any kind of brief touching of the patient or physical exam on the patient, that may help kind of point me one way or the other in regards to, you know, like I said, if they have clonus or rigidity, are they hot, are they cold, those sort of things, wet, dry, those things might kind of point me in one way or the other. And then I think about the situation in regards to what I need to do now. So is this somebody who I have said a few words to, I've gotten them to calm down a little bit, and now maybe I have a little more time, and so I can look at an agent that may potentially take 15 or 20 minutes to kind of work? Or is this somebody who literally has four or five security guards on them and I need to get better control not only to evaluate them for their safety um, and work up what might be their underlying cause, but also for the safety of myself and my staff? And in that case, I'm going to reach for something that works faster. I think in general, our two classes of medications we classically think about are the benzodiazepines and the antipsychotics. From a benzodiazepine standpoint, if I want immediate control, I'm going to reach for midazolam. Um, I'm going to usually use about five milligrams of that to start. That's going to come on, you know, within two to five minutes and um, kind of get that immediate control that I need. And I'll usually tag that with uh, two milligrams of lorazepam or Ativan so that as my midazolam is wearing off, my Ativan will start to be coming on because we're really going to talk about a peak onset of Ativan in about 20 to 40 minutes. And then if I'm talking about an antipsychotic, most of the ones that people will reach for is going to be haloperidol. Again, remembering, though, that IM, that's not going to have an effect for about somewhere around 30 minutes to really get um, some sedation there. So knowing that you need a little bit of time and control for that agent. And then if I'm, you know, feeling up to it, uh, I think ketamine's a, a good discussion in there as well because I have had success with uh, sedating the agitated patient with ketamine as well, um, again, through an IM dose. And so probably something about four to six makes per kg would be a good use to give a, an IM ketamine shot. And you're going to get control there in about five minutes as well. Awesome. Thanks for the summary, Dr. Kopech. It seems like a novel approach, but it's really just thinking about the medications, their onset of action, and how you can best help the patient and keep everybody safe in the emergency department. I really appreciate you summarizing that for us and being with us here today. No problem. All right. I think that's all from the M. Guidewire team at CMC in Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go. Be awesome today. CMC out.